All right, let's get it. It is a crossover edition. Locked on LSU and Locked on Sooners. I'm Matt Moscona. He is John Hoover from Locked on Sooners. John, what's up, buddy? Hey, Matt. How we doing, man? I'm getting excited for uh, number one, Christmas, and number two, this football game. Amen to that, man. As we recorded this on Friday the 20th, man, we're five days from Christmas. We're eight days from the game. This is LSU's first foray into the semifinal. I mean, obviously, this is old hat for OU at this point. Is it? It feels like it's crept up on us quickly, more quickly than Bulls normally do. Is this is this kind of how it typically feels? Um, no, actually, this is the shortest that uh, being on the game on the twenty eighth. Their championship game, as you know, was on the seventh, so they've had twenty one days off. That is uh, by far the shortest uh, bowl prep that Oklahoma has gone through, certainly in the in the Bob Stoops era and the and the. Um, the Lincoln Riley era. So yeah, it's it's been fast. I mean, what Lincoln Riley said yesterday or uh, signing day during his press conference was, we had basically five minutes to celebrate our Big Twelve championship win before we had to go out and recruit <laughs> for a week. So it's true, but you know, I don't know how you feel about it, man. I I like the early signing period because I think it just it adds a layer of protection for prospects who so many times in the February signing day would kind of get left at the altar in a numbers crunch. I think this protects those guys. So I'm like, I mean, I. I'm not going to be sympathetic toward toward coaches if there's something you know, who, who get paid lots of money to do their jobs. If there's something like this, that's going to help a prospect maybe have a better option where he lands. So I, I don't know how you mm-hmm. feel about me, but I'm I'm good with it. I'm kind of like it, yeah. uh, I am with the transfer portal. I think it's a win-win for both the coaches and the players. Uh, the coaches get those guys. You don't have that showboater, you know, going into signing day, you know, flipping and flopping and pulling out five different hats and all that silliness that goes with it. Uh, the, the fact that they're able to get these guys to sign on the bottom line uh, going into the bowl game before they go to a bowl game or before the offseason officially starts, I think that went, that's a win-win for both. Yeah. Well, it's it's a short time period from the, the championship games to the um, to the semifinals, but it's been eventful. Uh, here, obviously, it looks like Clyde Edwards-Elair is doubtful for the uh, for the game. I know there's been talk about the suspensions. Do you want to go first? I, I, I'd, I'd love just your impression on – the, the reports of the suspensions, what Lincoln said about it, and how that impacts the game? Well, what Lincoln said is easy. We'll start there. He said no comment. Um, you know, and the reason is they're uh, appealing the suspensions of defensive end Ronnie Perkins and running back Ramondre Stevenson and wide receiver Trajan Bridges. Bridges is a freshman, uh, experimented at safety earlier this season, but he's, he's not, he wasn't going to be a factor in this game anyway. The uh, the guys that are the ones and, and here's the deal there there are rumored to be or maybe not rumored but it, it's been confirmed by some reporters out there not all of them but some of them say that there are going to be more suspensions although they're hardly front line players so mm-hmm. this is a little bit of a shock and as it pertains to Perkins and Stevenson it's a big deal because uh, Perkins leads the team in sacks uh, he's, I think he's second on the team in tackles for loss. He's the most explosive defensive end that the Sooners have. And, um, you know, he's a sophomore, so it's not like he's, you know, been in these championship games a million times before. He's been here, but only for a couple of years. But Stevenson, I think, is the one that uh, is the is the guy that's going to be um, maybe missed the most because hmm. this is a game, and as we'll get into later in the, in the show, Oklahoma's going to try and control the clock. They're going to try and control time of possession. They're going to try and con- keep – LSU's offense on the sideline, and Stevenson is a big, you know, 
thick, kind of powerful running back who can really kind of churn out yards, grind out yards. If Oklahoma is able to keep LSU's um, plays down and keep their own offensive plays down, I don't think it'll be a big thing because Jalen Hurts will get a bunch of carries and Kennedy Brooks will get a bunch of carries and then really how much this third guy actually need. But right. if this thing gets up in the 70s or 80s in terms of number of plays, you're going to really miss Ramondre Stevenson because he's just a powerful uh, kind of a punishing runner. That's interesting, man, because, you know, we've, we've talked so much, and, and I, I mean, I've, I've seen OU play, but when I just look offensively, obviously, I know, you know what Jalen Hurts is going to bring, and I mean, when we look at Kennedy Brooks, it, it, there's just the drop-off from Kennedy Brooks to Ramadre Stevens, just in the number of attempts, it feels like the bigger deal would have been Perkins because of the ability to pressure potentially Burrow. Uh, is the, am I over selling the importance of Ronnie Perkins' potential absence? No, I think he's, uh, he's going to be missed. I don't think there's any doubt. But, um, you know, here, here's where I go on this. He, his backup is a true freshman, Marcus Stripling. Mm-hmm. Um, Perkins is a sophomore, you know, so, so they're a year apart. Stripling's an up-and-coming young player. And they've done some experimenting on the defensive line this year where they're actually, they've got a three man front with a fourth linebacker who's on the line of scrimmage, who's kind of a defensive end position. And what they've done is they've taken their defensive ends and they've moved them inside, moved them inside to defensive tackle. Okay, so you've got a couple of ends in uh, Jalen Redmond and, you know, uh, the other guy's name is, boy, I always miss this guy's name when it comes, <laughs> comes to it. Laron Stokes, he's the Big 12 defensive newcomer of the year. Okay. Laron Stokes and Jalen Redmond are a couple of defensive ends who this season they've put in at defensive tackle to really kind of put some speed down there in the in, you know, middle of the line, and then they put the linebacker out, uh, the rush end out there on the outside. Well, I think one of those defensive tackles, either Stokes or Redmond, who are both really good pass rushers, I think those guys probably get some snaps where Perkins was. So they're going to be able to eat up some snaps. They're going to miss Perkins, there's no doubt. But I think they're going to be able to, to fill in some a little bit better than what Ramondre Stevenson's role was probably supposed to be. Hmm. Uh, news here is about Clyde edwards Elair, And uh, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I kind of get the feeling from the OU side that it's a shoulder shrug because you just kind of feel like, well, LSU is going to have talented runners, which is true. Man, uh, I had somebody close to the program tell me yesterday that this just completely changes the offense if oh, yeah. if, if Clyde doesn't go. He um, he's he's easily their most versatile back. So uh, you know they've got two freshmen that were both you know top five, top six, depending on which recruiting service running backs in the country for the the signing class of 2019 with uh, John Emery and Ty Davis Price, but. Man, th- there was a play uh, in the Florida game where Emery was in the game, and Emery was a five-star, and e- Emery couldn't you know, pick up the, the pressure on Burrow, and Burrow kind of pointed to the sideline as if to like get him out of here. A- and it's, it's, it's interesting, man, because I think you know, Emery's a super dynamic runner, and, and Davis Price has been the more consistent of the freshmen, which is why he's played more. But Clyde's ability to pass protect – catch the ball out of the backfield, and run between the tackles and get to the edge. It's made him the most versatile back. And they really – LSU doesn't really have one guy that can do all three of those things. And one of the reasons it's made Clyde really valuable is you're never predictable by personnel when he's in the ball game. That might change depending on which running back is in the game if Clyde doesn't play against Oklahoma. So that's 
Yeah. I I've heard some people try to downsell you downplay that a little bit, but man, he was a unanimous All SEC selection uh, for a reason. He's um he he's been maybe the biggest surprise of the offense. Not that he he played well, but how just how much of a difference maker he was for this team. If Clyde doesn't go, man, that's that's a significant loss for LSU in this game. I'm telling you, uh, Dan, I'm, this is just looking at the numbers, just looking at how they performed this year. Um, Oklahoma's two players that are going to be out versus LSU's one player that's going to be out. I'd say advantage Oklahoma. Yeah. You've got a 1,300-yard runner and the, the next leading ground gainer in the backfield behind him, not Joe Burrow, but uh, is Davis Price, at less than 300 yards. Yeah. And then Emory, as you mentioned, 182 yards. Those guys combined for nine touchdowns. They averaged about four and a half, five yards a carry. Bur- uh, uh, Edward Taylor is averaging six and a half yards a carry, and he's got 16 touchdowns. Now, that's a massive drop-off. I'm not saying those guys can't be superstars in a one-game setting, but to lose the guy that uh, in some in some measure was was arguably the the turning point of the uh, of the Alabama game. I mean, the plays he made in the in the pass game catching the football out of the backfield, yes, I would think that they're going to miss him a lot, and it's going to make that offense, that LSU offense, even more one-dimensional than it already is. Hey, let's let's get to the LSU offense against the Oklahoma defense in a bit. Uh, let's step aside quickly. We come back. I want to talk about the Oklahoma offense. I was really interested to hear you say they might try to slow it down because I have some thoughts on how that might work. But let's get to that when we come back. It's a crossover episode, Locked on LSU, Locked on Sooners. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, John, I was interested, man, to hear you say that Oklahoma might try to slow the tempo in this game against LSU. I have some thoughts on that, but I'd love to hear your thought and your reason as to why. Yeah, um, so I've been watching the the plays. Oklahoma had a game this year where they snapped the ball 59 times. And I thought, what the what in the blue blazes is going on in Norman, Oklahoma? What in the right. name of the wishbone is going on in Norman, Oklahoma? And so I started breaking down the numbers. This was about mid-season, I think. And, you know, the, the final numbers are at least through 13 games compared to 14 last year. Last year, Oklahoma snapped the ball 66 plays per game, 66.3 plays per game. This year, 68. You look at those two numbers and you say, well, dummy, they're snapping the ball more this year. Uh, plays per game. They're actually, you know, Lincoln Riley, he, it, it, when he was an offensive coordinator, he told us, he said, I don't care what the defensive coordinator used to do. Uh, but this was after he became a head coach. I didn't care what the defense's problems were. My job was to snap the ball as many times as possible. If he could, he would have 85 to 90 plays a game. Hmm. Well, he's got 68 this year. Okay, that's that's actually he's running the ball more than he than he did last year. Okay, so so on the surface it looks like you know what I'm saying is wrong, but if you look at the explosive plays per game and the long drives per game, Oklahoma this year has 11 four play touchdown drives. Okay, that's 2019. Mm-hmm. 11 four play touchdown drives. 
that's you know one, two, three, four touchdown you're in the end zone, right? Right. Last year they had 15 four-play touchdown drives. So the, last year's offense was much more explosive. And then you break it down into, okay, long drives, 10-play touchdown drives. Oklahoma last year had nine 10-play touchdown drives. This year, 21. Wow. They're grinding out. It's almost three three times as many. They're grinding out long 10-play, 12-play, 14-play, 17, 19-play uh, touchdown drives. And it's just been remarkable. The, there's fewer big plays out of this offense, and there's a much more deliberate tempo. And obviously, I think that's a, a byproduct of two things. One is last year you had four, well, five, including Creed Humphrey this year. Last year's team had five NFL offensive linemen. Three of those guys are starting in the NFL right now as rookies. Um, and this year's team, with four new offensive linemen, they're having to do some rebuild. They're having to, um, you know, take it easy. Learning curve for everybody. They've had a couple of injuries here and there. And then the other factor, obviously, is Jalen Hurts, who is more of a, a grinder, more of a pounder, more of a, a running quarterback than Kyler Murray was. He's got 200 more rushing yards. Kyler Murray rushed for a thousand yards last year. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts has almost 1,300. So uh, the Jalen Hurts being less of a polished passer and more of a punishing runner and behind an offensive line that needs some room to grow. I think those things are can have convinced Lincoln Riley to slow things down, be a little more deliberate, take some time off the tempo. And then what the byproduct of that has been is circling back around is his defense. He hired his first defensive coordinator, fired Mike Stoops last year, brought in Alex Grinch. So Alex Grinch is his guy. He's got to make Alex Grinch look look good. How's he going to do that? By running the football, taking care of <laughs> yeah. the, the clock and the time of possession. So it's interesting. Uh, and, and we could talk, LSU defensively, it, it's kind of had the opposite effect, right? So the LSU offense has gone tempo all season, and their average scoring drive is less than two minutes. So a lot of people have looked at Dave Aranda this year and said, yeah. Well, what's wrong? What's wrong with LSU's defense? <laughs> well, they're on the field for eighty plays a game. Of course, when you're on the field that many plays, you're going to be you're going to give up more yards, more points. It's just natural. Uh, the other thing about LSU defensively is you know, they've they've had a um, their their season was like an inverted bell curve. It, it was in it's been interesting because they started off very strong, they really struggled in the middle, and they got very strong again late. And there's I, you know, John, I've I've said two things in particular about this LSU defense. One, they started the seat. Their front line of LSU's defense has pros all over the field. Grant Delpit's going to be a first-round draft pick. Christian Fulton at corner, likely going to be a first-round pick. Derek Stingley, when his day comes, is going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, Caleb on Chasson, uh, Jacob Phillips, Rashard Lawrence. All, all of these guys are very likely top 100 draft picks. Uh, that front line is very good. LSU was gutted by early entries to the draft and and transfers, and so they just don't have a lot of depth. That's the next 11, there's just such a significant drop-off, at least it was early in the year. And when they played Texas in Week 2, they had four guys in their defensive front seven get injured. And the way the schedule kind of worked, man, they played Utah State and Northwestern State and Vanderbilt. They had an open date you know, with a second open date this year in that mix. And so they kind of just told all those guys, don't rush back, just like take a month off. Just get really right. And you saw that defense struggle a lot in the middle part of the season. And 
as everyone's gotten healthier and by you know extension built depth out of out of necessity here at the end they've they've played their best football of the year the counter argument to that is yeah but it was Arkansas Texas A&M and Georgia which are certainly not even close to Oklahoma Clemson Ohio State offensively which LSU could you know will face one and could face any of the three um so I I'm really interested to see how this LSU defense fares against Oklahoma because it's absolutely going to be the best offense they faced outside of Alabama and but it's going to be at a point where I think LSU is healthy as healthy and as deep as they've been all season that's interesting to me um I know a lot of people bring up have have you all talked at all about LSU in the Ole Miss game this year absolutely yeah. 100 yards rushing um that, that was shocking to see but so you're you're Go ahead. No, the the thing about that game is, and, and I know it's every time I, we talk about this LSU defense, I get asked about Ole Miss. And the thing about that game, and I don't know, I don't know how you feel about it, John. I just I I lean very heavily on 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 hu- human nature matters. And LSU went into halftime of that game up thirty-one to seven. It Ed Ogeron came out of the locker room in the second half, and he's doing the sideline interview with Holly Rowe of ESPN. And it was the day Tua had gotten hurt at Mississippi State. So she says to him, hey, in light of what happened earlier today with Tua, are you looking to get Joe out of the game? And he says, yeah, we score, one, we score here one more time, and we're going to get him out of the game. Well, <laughs> it kind of told you what you needed to know. LSU had come out in the second half, and they had completely let their guard down. I mean, they were, they were routing Ole Miss at that point. It was a week after the, the Alabama game. And, and Ole Miss never quit. And so LSU kind of – you know, it's almost like once you – once you disengage, it's hard to re-engage, and that second half was hideous. Uh, but it's also an outlier, and, and and you know the other times they played rushing quarterbacks this year, and maybe not the caliber, but we saw him play Jordan Love from Utah State, who you know was a he just transferred from Utah State, or he's going into the draft. He's a potential you know top two round pick. Um, they played a triple option offense early in the season. We saw him play Tua, uh, although a limited Tua. Saw him play Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, and they never let a quarterback run against them all year, uh, except for what happened in that the second half of that Ole Miss game. So, I don't know, part of me is curious to see how they deal with Jalen because LSU really has been very good against running quarterbacks all year. They've maintained their run fits. The one outlier is the one everybody points to there against Ole Miss. Yeah. So, I'm I'm curious. If, I'm sure Lincoln will look at that and see what they can recreate. But I also know, man, that that was a tale of two halves in the second half where a team just completely exhaled. I, I know, dude. I know that comes across as a super homer take, but I watched that whole game and I'm like, man, sure. it's it was just a, it was a, an exceptional outlier what transpired in that second half. Yeah, and we all know the numbers don't always tell the story. I think Jalen's performance against LSU might what, what Ed Orgeron and Dave Aranda and those guys are going to probably draw from the most to try to defend him is what Sam Ellinger did. Yeah, there's some similarities in the Oklahoma offense and the Texas offense. Not a lot, but there are some. Um, and then when you involve the quarterback run game, uh, Jalen obviously a little more explosive than Sam, but still along the same line, Sam Ellinger, uh, more of a fullback type guy where he's just going to pound you and pound you and pound Jalen's going to pound you and pound you, but he's also going to slash past you one cut and go 35 yards. Yeah. So there, there are some similarities, and there's some, certainly some things that they can draw from from the Texas game. What not to do maybe might be a better way to approach it. 
But, man, I, I just think it's hilarious um, covering the Big 12 now for 20-some years or mm. whatever I, whatever it's been for me that uh, LSU has hired a passing game coordinator, and Joe Brady, <laughs> and he's won, won the award, you know, the Frank Royals Award. And yeah. They've got a, a Heisman Trophy winner finally back in Baton Rouge, and it's just been remarkable what Joe Burrow has done in, in conjunction with the new passing game coordinator and the new offensive outlook. And, and you're talking about the defense suffering for it. I know. And, and we're looking at the LSU defense, and they've got, like you said, a bunch of pros, and it's like, wait a minute, why are they giving up so it, many? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they're it's, they're just now going through the thing that a lot of Big 12 teams like Texas yep. and Oklahoma, who are blue bloods in the sport and you know traditionally put a lot of guys in the NFL, big offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, those guys are now saying, whoa, 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 coach. Coach, coach, coach! Do we really need to be on the field for 85 plays right. a game? So <laughs> LSU is just now going through what Oklahoma has been through for the last 10 years or so, and you know, look at Brent Venables is, is a perfect example. He was a guy that in the Big 12 was was struggling as a defensive coordinator because Kevin Wilson, the offensive coordinator at OU, decided, hey, we're going to run the football, we're going to snap the football 85, 90, 100 times a game. That made Brent Venables reassess things in, as a Big 12 defensive coordinator. Look how he's doing now, and now he's out of the Big 12. It's, uh, it's, it's funny to hear that. And Lincoln Riley has, has kind of come full circle and realized, man, if we run, if we, if we run 85 plays a game, our defense is going to be really exposed, and they're not that good already. Let's go ahead and slow it down take it easy on our defense. And it's really worked. The complimentary football aspect of Oklahoma this year has really worked out well. It is an amazing uh... – uh, I guess transupposition there between the two programs because they they in many respects have flipped than the way they approach it. I, I, let's talk LSU offense and how Oklahoma tries to slow them down as we wrap up next. Locked on LSU, locked on Sooners. I put a button here on this crossover edition of Locked on LSU and Locked on Sooners. I'm Matt. He's John. Uh, you, know, John. I. I I'm so interested to hear you say that you know, Lincoln's going to play complimentary style, try to slow it down offensively, uh, because every to try to you know, the the best sometimes the best defense is a ball control offense, keeping Joe Burrow on the sideline in this offense. What's interesting that we've seen this year with LSU is that everybody that LSU has played has tried so many different approaches. They've tried to score with them, they've tried to slow it down, they try to play keep away, and none of it's worked because nobody's been able to stop LSU from doing whatever they want. And my my feeling is if this LSU team is going to lose a game, you, know, you brought up the Texas game. I think that is the perfect example, Texas or, or even Bama. If someone's going to beat LSU, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to win a 46-41 type game. Uh, because I don't know how – even teams that traditionally would try to slow it down, LSU's gotten them out of their game. Georgia in the SEC championship I think is a good example of that. I don't know if you if you saw much of it. I, I know OU was playing uh, playing Baylor that day, but you know, Kirby Smart, who has run more of a pro style offense, Georgia came out in that game realizing we got to score, and they they came out putting the ball in the air. They weren't trying to establish the run. Um, I, I just I've seen Florida with their great defensive backs and elite edge rushers. Seen Auburn with the best defensive line in college football. Seen Bama, Georgia, probably the best total defenses front to back. And none of them have stopped LSU from doing whatever they want. You know, Joe Burrow is just at a – and you all have seen great quarterback play. You know what it's like when you saw Bradford and 
you know, Jason White back in 2003 and some of those seasons where guys just, it seems like they're going to be up, those offensive moves would do whatever they want. Um, obviously the last couple of years, Baker and Kyler and then this year with Jalen, but man, it's Joe's playing at a level right now, John, that I, we, we certainly have never seen in Baton Rouge. I mean, that, that goes without saying this has been a, a wasteland for quarterback play, but no defense has stopped them from putting up at least 500 yards. I mean, they just, they've, they've moved the ball at will and scored almost at will. And I, I almost feel like at some point in this game, Lincoln's going to have to realize if you try to slow it down and you're not getting points and you give LSU three consecutive possessions without putting up points, that's how the snowballs happen this year for LSU all season. It's been, it's been teams that, that try to play that style of ball but if you it, but if you come away with multiple consecutive empty possessions and you give LSU those back to back to back opportunities to score, you you can blink and be down twenty one and and now you're you're playing a different style of game all of a sudden playing catch up. So I, I don't know, man. Like what what's your general feel, man? I, I'd love sort of a, a, another perspective, you know, outside sure. watching the LSU offense and and if you think oh you could be the team to slow them. How great is this game, first of all, that you get the number one and number two offenses in college football and in terms of total yards per right. game, and they're separated by two-tenths of a yard per game. I mean, they are, awesome. he's been number one all season, uh, had a you know, kind of a glitch a couple of times down the, down the stretch, uh, LSU passed them, and, and now you know Lincoln Riley, who's had the number one offense in the, in the country for the last three years. You know he's sitting there saying, Man, we're only two tenths of a yard per game behind. I think we could. I think we could catch him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? There's a part of him in the in the back of his head that is saying right now, our offense is better. Uh, it, it, you know, Joe Burrow won the Heisman, but I think our quarterback is better. Um, Jamar Chase won the Bolitnikoff, but I think our receiver is better. I think that's what's going through Lincoln Riley's head and some of those coaches' head. Certainly, the players um, think that way, and and that's what's going to be entertaining about this because Oklahoma, has, you know, go back to the Alabama game. Uh, outside of Alabama, Oklahoma might be the the one team on LSU's schedule that can actually score with LSU. I agree that completely. Can actually keep up. So, which is why, be which is why it was surprising me, John, to hear you say they might try to slow it down because it it feels oh, like try to slow it down. It, it just feels like if there was a team that could go score for score, this this is because. I don't know that that Clemson or Ohio State, with respect, and I mean we could talk about it if if it gets there, but I don't know that either one of those teams would be able to do it consistently i think oklahoma yeah. can I, th- I think oklahoma can win a, a 46 41 game against lsu that's interesting i would have i would have picked uh, either one i don't know i don't know uh, uh, those teams play a little bit better defense still than i think than oklahoma i think that's obvious um you know here's here's what's gotten oklahoma um they, they got beat against uh kansas state because they gave up so many I mean, like third and 15, third yeah. and 17, third and 11. They gave up so many third and long plays. And one of the reasons is, one of the reasons that they've gotten in a bind this year defensively is because something like 60, 66% of their two deep is either fresh, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, or sophomores. Those are young guys mm-hmm. out there playing. And they're playing against, you know, you look at, uh, look at how Oklahoma did down the stretch of the Kansas State game, the Iowa State game, the Baylor game, even the TCU game. Oh, every one of those teams had an experienced, very experienced, older, senior-driven, junior uh, uh, here and there offensive line, quarterbacks, um, wide receivers. The, the other team's offense was always down the stretch, at least more experienced on the field 
than the Oklahoma defense. I think that played out, and I think Oklahoma's talent eventually won out. And you know, here they they won their last five games, and they're in the playoffs, and they've been five-time Big Twelve champs. So they have more talent. But I think that there's no doubt that that youth and inexperience uh, caught up with them at various times, and that's going to be a problem for this game. If 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 Lincoln Riley tries to score with LSU, if he tries to win a 47-45 type game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to find that his defense is out there too much. They're too inexperienced. They've got a, a bunch of nice young players who are coming in, and we talked about Ronnie Perkins' um, replacements earlier. Those are fairly young and inexperienced guys that are trying to do that. If they try to get into a shootout, that inexperience is going to catch up with them. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the offense controlling the tempo of the game and allowing the defense to kind of catch its breath and, and kind of keep up with the game plan, so to speak, I think that's probably Oklahoma's best chance. Uh, LSU has run the ball 449 times this year. They've thrown it 476. It's been <laughs> kind of incredible balance, uh, which we've never really seen, and it's been flipped, right? I mean, LSU's been a 65-35 run heavy as uh, you know, opposed to passing the ball offense, but they've found balance this year, and they've managed to score and move the ball on everybody. So I'd, I, I'm curious. You're going to be in Atlanta, yeah? Yeah, right, so we're going to be in Atlanta Christmas Day. We're planning. You and I are planning on doing a show from Atlanta. We'll do another crossover episode before the game next week. Absolutely, that right. sounds great. All right, we'll we'll save uh, we'll save picks until then. But um, all right. But uh, in the meantime, it's it's been a lot of fun, and um, I, I know here, uh, people in Baton Rouge have a just a tremendous amount of respect for the Oklahoma program and all that the program's been throughout its history with the Heisman winners and the national championships. Of course, they met in the 03 championship. Uh, but, man, I, there, there's a lot of excitement for this game, I know, for LSU to get to go try to lock up with a, with a power like, like OU and see if they can punch a ticket to a championship game in New Orleans, man. So there, there's going to be a lot of purple and gold in Atlanta a week from Saturday, man. Absolutely. I know OU fans are uh, fired up because they're looking at this game because they have a defense this year. <laughs> nothing against LSU, but they have a defense, and they're looking at this game as the one where, hey, I think we can actually win this game this year. So that's Oklahoma fans. Uh, they, they probably should have beaten Georgia out in the Rose Bowl. Um, they had a number of things go wrong down the stretch for them in that game, but I think they're looking at this one as the one where they, they think they have a chance. If they can contain Joe Burrow. Some no one's been able to do. Uh, they'll have a chance a week from Saturday. Locked on LSU, locked on Sooners. Remember, if you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports T-shirts and team's passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to Breaking Tea. That's the letter T. Breakingtea.com slash locked on. Feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Locked on LSU, locked on Sooners. I'm Matt. He's John. Thanks, John. It's been fun, man. Thank you, Matt. See you down there.